Exploring the vast worlds of He-Man and She-Ra, join Sean Scavarna and Matthew Duke as they discuss the history and mystery of Eternia and Etheria, diving deep into all incarnations of Masters of the Universe. Hey, hey, you know who's back? It's the Legends of Grayskull Podcast. Now that you know, let's go get ready for the show. It's the Legends of Grayskull Episode 114 of Legends of Grayskull, the fan podcast where we discuss the history, the mystery, the magic, and mythology of He-Man, She-Ra, Eternia, Theory, Norda, Primus, you- New Adventures, Old Adventures, Ladybird, UK Annuals, Comics, Mini Comics, anything and everything you can think of with that He-Man, She-Ra, Master Universe, Princess of Power! That Mattel logo down in the corner. I'm Matthew Duch, here again with Sean Scavarna. Sean, how are we doing today? I almost shoplifted, and I'm proud. <laughs> Jesse would be ashamed of you. Jesse would come in and smack me with the guilty stick. But yeah, um, <laughs> I told I told Matt off air for our listeners. I told Matt off air today. I had a lot going on, and apparently, a dollar sixty just slipped my mind. So, <laughs> ah, the heck with you, convenience store. I went back and I paid for it. So don't call the cops on me. He's trying to be cool, but I'm trying. Yeah, I'm trying, and I failed miserably when I was five. So I never, I never bounced back from that ever again. How are you today? Oh, I'm doing fine. We made it through the revolution. We're back, just the two of us. It's uh, it was a journey. It took us over a month. Yeah, that was Episode- a marathon. The episodes are three times as long as the actual <laughs> revolution episodes are. Uh, but that's just because we had so much good to say about it. We we did, and we had uh, we also had uh, Matt Rod join us for part of that journey, which automatically puts us into 45-minute extra time allotment already because he has some ideas, and he likes to throw them at us, too. So, yep, yep. Um, But not yeah. like... I, I I remember us recording it and going, holy crap. Like, <laughs> I remember streaming this in one day and I was like, that's great. And then to do the, the other videos, it's like, wow. But yeah, we did have a lot of opinions and a lot of thoughts. So hopefully our listeners enjoyed them. Absolutely. And yeah, it was uh it was a good time. We like you said, we had Matt Rod join us for a bit there. Curtis was along for the ride the whole way. And then of mm-hmm. course Jesse popped in when he could. Um, so obviously we're long-winded ourselves, adding two to three more people in there. Uh, <laughs> but I felt it was necessary. I felt we got a lot of good viewpoints. You know, you and me obviously were amazing. Uh, Curtis is generally the grumpy old dragon who's wrong about everything, except when he agrees with me, which was more often than not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like Jesse's got that different viewpoint because he's, you know, obviously he knew masters and grew up with it, but then he pretty much left it. You know, it's, it's just, mm-hmm. it's like transformers is to me. Like I'll mm-hmm. go, I know I've seen some episodes. The, the movie was amazing. The cartoon one. And, you know, every once in a while, I'll go see some of the Michael Bay stuff that pops up. I haven't seen it all, but it's just kind of one of those fringe things. So it's nice getting that kind of refreshing, like, this is how I saw it without any of the baggage that you guys have. 
Yeah. He hasn't been uh he hasn't been out there on podcasts for years. Right. Hearing the news of oh, it's a new live action movie and then getting pulled out from under him every couple of months, you know. So um Exactly. Yeah, and but it is in his uh it's in his wheelhouse though, because ever since I've known him, other than Transformers and Ninja Turtles being a constant, sword and sorcery and fantasy has always been there. So it's like, you know, he he definitely has some ideas about it. Right. And then of course so, Matt Rodriguez but is just he a has a different like creator. you said, the POV is different. Yep. Yes, yes. You can't keep that man's creativity down. Nope. So it's impossible. It's a good time. Make sure you guys check those out if you haven't yet. They are all available on YouTube uh, and audio platforms. So, uh, and today I guess we're just going to do a little bit of housekeeping here. Uh, we do have we got some emails. We got some comments. Um, why don't we go ahead and start there? So we're going to go ahead yeah. and start. Uh, with our trustworthy pen pal, uh, Tony Moore, aka Simba's Guard. Simba's Guard. Uh, if you would like to become our pen pal, please email us at logpod85 at gmail.com, like Tony does. Uh, it's, it's, it's good to hear from him. It's been a minute, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, dear Matt and Sean, I have a lot to say about the Revolution series, and I don't know where to start or how to organize what I have to say. One down so one downside to binge watching is that I don't remember exactly what episode something happened in. Therefore, I guess I have to just make random points. My apologies for being all over the place. Yeah, that's why I had to stop and take notes for every episode in order to guide the guys along during our breakdowns. I think even then we some of us kind of jumped the gun a little bit on some stuff because it is we, it is definitely an epic that all yeah. flows together very nicely. And and just really quick, I learned how hard it is for Matt to do that because I helped with episode four. Yep. And I realized, well, that's no big deal. That's like a 25, epi- 25 minute episode. An hour and a half later, I'm still there trying to get pause, this. rewind, pause, <laughs> rewind. Oh, shit. I was oh just watching God. what happened. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, as someone that loved the first season, I felt that they told an even better story with the five episodes of this season than in the 10 of the last. Uh, I did get the feeling that they might have made this season to fix several of their mistakes in the previous one, but I just don't care. They fixed what I didn't like. Uh, <clears throat> The only thing that kept confusing me is that every time someone said man at arms, I kept thinking they meant Duncan, but that problem is mine alone. Uh, interestingly enough, I that didn't really happen for me. Mm-hmm. You know, because it was so, you know, they made a big deal about Andra being the man yeah. at arms. And Tila was supposed to become man at arms before that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I can I can see where he's coming from, and uh, but it yeah that didn't affect me at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm gonna paraphrase a little bit here uh, because his email is long and we got some other stuff we gotta get to. But let's see here. Uh, I've always liked the Keldor origin, so them swapping out Skeletor's backstory does not bother me. It also makes that Revelation prequel comic series easy to understand now because a lot of it was a lie and does not matter. So I guess I really did 
waste my money on that series of comics. Uh, is that supposed to make me feel better? No. <laughs> it didn't make us uh, feel better either, Tony. <laughs> having William <laughs> Shatner and Mark Hamill play the same character sort of was a Star Trek Star Wars crossover we will never see. I was even wondering if Keldor really was legit. Um, T the Sorcerer's Spirit did remain at Castle Grayskull, giving Tila advice, if not actual training. Although she is powerless, her still being tethered to Castle might have something to do with Tila being able to leave the castle. I think my theory is at least still plausible. Uh... King Randor dying due to some other type of internal organ failure was better than having him die in battle or due to foul play. He man didn't have to fight the desire for revenge. Yeah, I agree. That came up during our talks too. Uh, I love that Battle Cat got significant screen time. Keith David was as expected flawless as Hordak. I liked how his snorts were downplayed as a natural side effect of his laughter. Same. Uh, yeah, Sean did. <laughs> Matt, Matt did not, but I love that. I was so happy not to hear him snort every line. <laughs> no, I agree. I, I just like I've said before. I think, I think the snorting is essential in his character, and I like how it was more natural in this yeah. one rather than being. It wasn't a punctuation. It was more like my dog just snorts from time to time. Yes, this Hordax biology, you know. Yeah. So, and, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. Right. But I also think if you don't have that, then you've got just, you know, you know, rest in peace. But uh, uh, Kevin Conroy versus Voice and Merman. Yeah. Where they didn't do the brrr at all. So then it's yeah. like, okay, it's just Batman doing Merman. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it's one and of those things was... where it's like you need to have that little effect. It doesn't have to be the whole character. But it helps to separate him from other guys. So, uh, I enjoyed seeing Gwildor. I like the implication that some type of version of the 87 movie happened in this continuity. Uh, and his banter with Orko was great. Mm -hmm. uh, having a flashback to right before the first episode of Revelation was a great idea to show that Adam and Tila were falling for each other even before everything hit the fan. Uh, I like the tongue-in-cheek acknowledgement that having anyone able to call down the po power of Grayskull was a mistake, as there was panic when they thought Orko <laughs> and later Gwildor was going to say the incantation. Yep. Uh, the ending battle was epic. Adam and Tila's double transformation was awesome. My eyes teared up when Grandamere died. The conversation Lin and he had was so very touching. Uh, he got teary again at King Randor showing up. Mm -hmm. uh, major high point He-Man and Tila finally kiss on screen uh, now questionable points Keldor saying meow could have been a big problem if William Shatner had not played it in the way he did Yes. Uh, He-Man abolishing the monarchy before a democratic government is in place who's in charge in the interim I'm just gonna throw it out. I, I think Queen Marlene is gonna help guide all this. I don't. I don't think we really got into the. I know we got into the weeds on this a bit, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I think it's kind of looking back on it now. I think it's even more like, especially because he they're going democracy. She's from Earth. Like, 
I think she's going to be a big hand in this, even if she's not going to be running things herself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that Battlecat talked and what he had to say. But I think Steven Root, while being perfect as Cringer's voice, was the wrong choice for Battlecat. Cringer's voice with confidence rather than the whimper just did not work for Battlecat. Uh, best line in the series goes to Cringer. You mean all this time you could have hugged me into turning into Battlecat? Uh, I hope we get the third season that was teased. Lynn as a cosmic enforcer, does that make her either Lynn or neither Lynn? <laughs> I like that. <laughs> uh, those are good. I for- so I can't remember what we came up with, but I know we came up with something at the time. Yeah, I don't remember either. I I, I don't mind calling her neutral Lynn. Either. Maybe that was maybe it was like neutral neutral Lynn. Neutralin sounds hysterical to me for some reason. Neutralin, that sounds like the, the additive that Valvoline mm-hmm. puts in their oil to keep your engine clean. Neutralin. Neutralin. It'll, it'll keep your car running. <laughs> keep your car running. <laughs> uh, if for legal d- reasons, Despara can't be Adora, who could she be? Uh, anyone, but Adora just wouldn't have needed impact for the character's identity. As always, thank you for your time, Tony Simba's guard. Mm-hmm. Um, and we I'm sure we will get into your last point in a little bit there about Despara. Um other than that, I think we I think we agree on most points. Um yeah. I thought I, there was somewhere I wanted to go with that, but I lost it. Like the the comment about Steven Root, that for me was yeah. probably one of the most glaring bits of the voice casting this time around, and I didn't have too many problems compared to the first, uh, to compared to Revelation. And it was just his Battle Cat voice too. Like I I still don't think he's perfect as Cringer, but yeah. I can accept him as Cringer. But that Battle Cat scene was like. And I, I still think Steven Root is capable of it. No one pushed him and been like, no, dude, you need to just give it a little bit of a growl. Like well, you can I still mean, say the same stuff, but just give it a give it a macho voice. You know what I mean? Like that's all it needed. It's just the wrong tone. All all they needed to do was just point at what he did in Dodgeball when he got really mad in Dodgeball and go do that. Now that you're right. Battle Cat, just keep that anger and the exactly. That's all. You volleyball. just need that little. I don't. There, there's a part of me though that still feels like he's he's not a hundred percent. I mean, granted, with all of the positives that this this uh, sequel brought for me, it's it's almost like you know I'm really trying to find problems with that. So I can't really go and say, oh this person would have been a better option. But last time around, we were like, okay, Sarah Michelle Geller, sorry, thanks, but no thanks. Uh, for me, Alicia Silverstone, thanks, but no thanks. Um, and this time around, I mean, they brought in Shatner. Shatner knocked it out of the freaking park. Absolutely. And, you know, for him being in his 90s and pulling what he did in this off. And that's not to say you can't do that. But it like he's he never felt he felt ageless in this, which was amazing to me. Um, but yeah, like for me, it'll always MVPs of this show 
for me will always end up being uh, Griffin Newman and Chris Wood. And and this time around, I'd say Melissa Benoist is also one of the main ones too, since she yeah. she was so freaking good as Dila. Well, I guess that's what I'm trying to say about Stephen Root. Like at the end of Revelation, I'm sitting here going, "Man, we need to find somebody better for Tila." And mm-hmm. I'm not at that point with Stephen Root. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't like his battle cap, but he's not. He's not taking me out of the show. And the flashback scene that you know, um, Tom or Tony brought up, like that even accentuated it. That yeah. like you know, man, if we just had Melissa yeah. back then. I don't know, like how much different would it have been if if we could do the change.org thing like you were talking about <laughs> I would sign that because I right. I genuinely feel like it will change the dynamic of that first season if they could have done that mm-hmm. cuz yeah. and I you know I I I did enjoy the Supergirl series I think it kind of went downhill as it went on but that was writing that wasn't Melissa's fault um mm. But definitely that first season of, of Supergirl is like one of the best superhero TV shows I've ever seen. Um, so like I, I, I look at that, that her playing Kara, you know, dealing with the, well, what am I? My younger cousin has grown into Superman. I can't, you know what I mean? Like that whole uncertainty of who am I mm-hmm. with this famous cousin and everything else. And it's like, that uncertainty that she brought to the character in season one of Supergirl, imagine taking that same kind of seriousness and earnestness into Tila discovering her destiny. And well, what does this mean for me? Where am I? What, you know, I've lost, like, I just, I really think that she could do some amazing stuff with that. That's all. I mean, it's already there. I just, Mm -hmm. I I know we're becoming the the bash Sarah Michelle Geller show, but like the the longer it goes on, and the more I see what someone else can do with the character, it just it, it it's proving it to me that I'm not just because at first I was like maybe it's just me, maybe she's just not doing it for me personally, but it's like no the the farther we go with this as things improve, it's like no that was a really big part of it because Tila was a big part of Revelation. Mm-hmm. Like and yeah. for Sarah Michelle to just be literally be reading lines, you know, it just it 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 hurt it. It really well, did. And and honestly, her voice coming out of that body in in that that show for me yeah. was so odd. It, it like on top of that, it just felt un. I don't want to say unnatural, but it just felt like no. There there was something missing there. Like like. Her voice sounds like it's coming out of a a you know like a petite woman. Yeah. To me, and, and maybe that's because I've seen her in shows, seen her in movies, or whatever. But it always feels like she's this petite woman who there's a certain vibe she pulls off by having that voice and a certain you know that's that's her the way that she what she brings to the table, and it only pushed that character into more of that people weren't enjoying her and feeling she felt off anyway. And, and then all of the controversy around whatever BS you want to talk about. Um, it, it's like, it, it was a no win situation. The fact that they brought in Melissa is just like, 
thank you. And, and hopefully if they go, uh, whatever the new R word of the third option might be, um, hopefully she is along for the ride, just like, uh, Griffin and Chris and, and hopefully Mark Hamill too. So. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's go to YouTube. We had some amazing views on, on this, uh, series so far, our reviews of it. Um, I do want to throw shout outs to Matt Rodriguez commented on there. Uh, Gamer Bud said, uh, yes, I don't know what's more hype, your intro theme or the transformation theme for He-Man in this series. <laughs> now, number one, you can thank the magical Jeremy DeWitt for our intro theme, uh, mm -hmm. and it is amazing. Mm -hmm. But I got to say, uh, obviously, the Bear McCreary soundtrack uh, has been a big part of both series now. I've got to say, I it's up the it's getting up there to where probably right now it's right under filmation as far as He-Man themes go for me. Uh, and if you just say like He-Man transformation right now to me after having watched this 47 times for the reviews i might just instinctively go with bear over the filmation at this point i mean for me i i know when i first heard it and and here's here's the problem and and it's always going to be the the elephant in the room i guess it's always going to be nostalgia versus what what someone brings to it past a point in your childhood you know there's always going to be a little bit of an uphill battle but when like when i first watched revelation even and you have that start off with the mattel studios presents mm -hmm. coming out of the bricks the red bricks and the mm -hmm. red boulders and you hear boom, 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 and it's like this feels like fucking conan sorry people but it feels like conan like it, yeah. it felt like how i wanted it to feel as a kid before I knew what filmation was going to do with it. So in that way, I felt like there were definitely glimpses into the alternate reality version that I got as a kid in world X, Y, Z somewhere. And what we had as kids. And I enjoy the fact that this, it feels heroic, but it also feels majestic and yep. epic all at the same time. Filmation, as much as I love that and, you know, I, I always loved the theme from Filmation. I always felt like it was a Superman kind of a theme. And it was more of a superhero-esque show because it was more For about sure. superpowers and all that. This felt like it was legit sword and fantasy, sword and sorcery. And it's like the minute you hear that drums, the drums start kicking in. It's like, I feel like I'm on Battle Cat about to go into battle. Like the, you instinctively have that feeling and I couldn't ask for anything better out of that theme. I, I, I love what he brought to this series, both series. I completely agree that. And that's what I'm saying that when that new He-Man theme kicks in, it gives me the same feeling that the filmation He-Man theme mm -hmm. gets like, okay, here we go. Yeah, we're good now. We're like, off. Let's do this. You know, and I, I do <laughs> like the Mike Young as well. And the new adventures has its own flair. But I just I feel like like obviously nothing I think is ever going to top that that filmation theme just because it's so tied into my DNA. Yeah. 
But yeah, th- this this Bear McCreary score really comes close. It feels the most He Man of all the series since filmation. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it's one of those things. It goes to show. We say it all the time. Like I don't need Diamond Ray of disappearance done. You know, by Powerhouse. I don't need Time Trouble redone by Dark. Like you know push it to somewhere new and this is the same thing i don't need the filmation soundtrack redone you're not going to be able to do it like mm-hmm. it's going to come off you know porky yeah mm-hmm. i mean i uh, no offense to them but like super seven did that curse of the three terrors animation trying to to look like filmation and it's like it just looks like a bad uh quick time video like mm-hmm. it's you're you're not gonna get there uh to rabbit hole because we never rabbit hole on this show but i'm going to now <laughs> x-men 97's coming out and i loved the original fox series this is an instance though where i feel trying to capture the look of the original is going to be the big miss in this for me because I'm watching that trailer and it just, it looks like a pale imitation of it because animation has come so far since the nineties. Like it's not Mm -hmm. even the same process. So no matter how much you try to mimic that animation, it's not going to look like that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's going to look like, uh, you know, and even like the Marvel, what if series, like I'm not, I think it's better than what I've seen from 97 so far, but I'm not a huge fan of that animation style anyways. And mm-hmm. now that that animation style is trying to mimic the, the original X-Men style, it's like uh, just a copy of a copy. And it's just, I don't know. I'm, I'm just, maybe the story will blow me away, but like, so I'm just looking at this and I'm like, it looks like bootleg X-Men. Whereas, in my opinion, if they'd wanted to continue this story, you know, which I think could be done well, like, let's, everyone loves this X-Men series, let's pick up where it left off, literally. Okay, great. You can still make it your own thing. Make mm-hmm. it its own style, get some, you know, some new voice actors, um... And, and do it, but do it your own thing. And I think... At least for me, that would be I would be more receptive to that. Mm-hmm. So it's the same thing with the music here. It's like I'm glad that they pushed it into something new. Same with the animation. And the animation for Revolution is so much better than even Revelation. Like these animators are really getting it. Like they honed their craft through the first 10 episodes of Revelation. And now they're like, okay, we get it. We get how these guys are supposed to move. We get how they're supposed to interact. Like it just, everything is just a step up in this series and it's pushing everything into new territory, which is what I want. Yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, you know, like uh, another MVP for me in both series is powerhouse because yeah. they did like the, the style they brought to it for me. I like one of the best parts for me had to be the fact that they somehow managed to translate man's hair and make it look rugged and workable they you know like what with filmation we always had the prince valiant cut which for me i i never personally liked that so to see 
the the upgrades that they did, the tweaking that they did for characters to update them and not have it just be let's keep it within every visual aesthetic we've ever seen. It helped a ton. There's no way around that. So, um, but yeah, no, I, I I agree. Like this this was a good case in point of how you push forward and you progress mm-hmm. things. X Men '97. Just to to touch on that really quick, it didn't wow me when I saw that trailer, mm-hmm. and I'll end up watching it just out of more curiosity than excitement. And yeah. everything about it, like the, the the one thing I will say is I've seen the artist who is in charge of the character design of that show, and she has a lot of good artwork out there. And when you see what they did for the show based on her designs. I feel like it's it's a disservice to her mm-hmm. because her style they're trying to make it look like her style but it doesn't work because her style is one style and their animated styles are different. They're trying to put them together and it just feels like it's an unfinished version of something she would have done beautifully and on that level I'm almost like it just doesn't make me excited whereas Powerhouse with their initial here's the Eddie Nunez uh, mm-hmm. figure ideas. It's the, I was just sitting there pouring over that artwork going, oh, sweet God, you know how to crack this code. You know? So, yeah, I mean, I, I get it completely. All right. Now we're going to take a look at uh, a new viewer to me. Uh, maybe she's been around a while, but uh, I believe this is her first time coming, and, and she really went to town on these reviews. Uh, Lion yep. Mom... 7629. Thank you. You have lots of great comments in here. I am going to kind of paraphrase, pick and choose, because there is, you know, you think Tony Moore writes a long email. Uh, <laughs> there, there's substance to these. I read them as well. No, they're, they're, anybody yeah. who wants to, please go to our comments on YouTube and check these out because they are very well written. Uh, we just don't have time to read everything in full. So yeah. I am going to kind of jump around here. I'm going to try and I'm going to try and pick at least some from, from every episode here, Lion Mom. And we do appreciate your support. Uh, starting with episode one. Uh, uh, she brings up a good point uh, about Randor's telling Adam he can't do two things at once. Uh and so uh, Randor's speech makes sense in the context of the story. I took it as he didn't want his son pulled in two different directions at once. And yes, he's contradictory, mostly because he's a character with more complexity than he appears to have. Similar to the sorceress, the older generation believed that their own sacrifices and their own secrets were necessary. And they were for them. But Adam is not Randor any more than Tila is her mother. That's kind of the point of this whole series. It's a coming-of-age tale. Mm -hmm. He-Man isn't King Grayskull either. He's Adam. Uh, He is a whole different person in a very different time. I like that they took the best concept from Netflix, Shira, that destiny is not the strict path where these younger people's lives and futures are already decided for them. What would be the point if it were? Um... Yeah, that's a great point, and that is one of the things that kept me coming back to the Shira series on Netflix. Like the idea that you can make your own destiny, and I think we completely agreed with the with most of that in our review. Um, 
Like, you know, that just that just our parents thinking they always know what's best for us. And mm-hmm. while they always have our best intentions at heart, you know, no one truly knows what's best for you but yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, from episode two. Uh, I think I like this. Um, I really like that they kept the reason for Keldor not being heir to him being the bastard son of a king and the guard to simply being another kingdom. They don't have a good political relationship with, um, of all the things I appreciate about the eternity war. I really found the whole fantasy racism plot within the guard problematic, uh, is too serious of a subject to throw around for fantasy entertainment. There are ways to make a statement about serious subjects in this genre, but the whole storyline of the Anwat guard people being an underclass, send some very weird mixed up messages. And I I feel exactly the same way. Like you can't just be like this whole, it's too heavy. It's too heavy for the type of genre that this is, that everything on eternity is good, except for this class of people that we subjugate. Mm. Um, And I, I agree. I like that they made it more. The two kingdoms are at odds with each other. Uh, there are some great ideas from the Eternity War and these related DC comics, and I'm glad this series had the wherewithal to keep the good ideas and ditch some of the ones that are just icky. Uh, completely agree there as well. Um, it, it, you know, like I may have even brought it up in the review now that I was about to say it, but like Kirkman did with Invincible when he went to make the TV series and he looked back at the comic as like, we can tweak some of this and make it better. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that they kept the theme of the Eternity War while, like you said, trimming some of the fat, you know, kind of thinking out some of the ideas a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, this one from, still from episode two. Uh as I see it, Andra is not a divisive character. Divisive people just use characters that have been race changed or already are persons of color and women who are in action roles to spread division. Uh, demographics do not make characters divisive any more than they make actual people divisive or controversial. Uh, I am a woman. Am I then controversial because He-Man was originally marketed for boys? Um if I'm not, then neither is a character of Andra. In Star Comics, she was nothing more than a clone of Tila. And uh, I like that the character was remade and appreciate her. Uh, I agree with you. And I know I, uh, we brought up that she was a divisive character. So I did want to clarify. None of us hosts looked at her as a divisive character. It was... the. Uh, definitely that is a reaction that is out there. And mm-hmm. so if that wasn't clear, I do apologize. So I do want to bring that up. We were just stating that she became a divisive character in season one. She was one that certain people wanted to use as like, uh, this is woke baloney yeah. argument. Um, yeah. and that happened, you know, whether or not you agree that Andrew is a divisive character, there is that group of people that represented her as such, so that they could push their agenda. 
And that is wrong. I agree. But uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, we were just saying that she is one that was divisive. So Uh, she feels like Tila was extremely well written in this installment. Uh, Everything she does feels earned. She's doing this whole quest for love and compassion. Uh, But I also feel like people were much harsher about Tila and Revelations and was warranted. Her internal conflicts were not as well written in Revelations. It wasn't some plot to feminize He-Man or take the franchise away from men. Completely agree. Yeah. The the thing with that and, 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 and the thing that made me exhausted about Revelation was the fact that a lot of that was coming out before we got to see a single episode. So there was all of this negativity and yep. divisiveness poured onto something that we didn't even see a second of footage other than previews and and trailers and then it, it's like suddenly oh they're pushing an agenda and it's like right we don't know that and then when we watched it we all of us were like where was this agenda they kept talking about i did not see the agenda no and you know and then that's it, I, again going back to your point that's why that's why Andra is a quote unquote, um, uh, whatever the term was, the um, the divisive character. divisive yeah. character, and Tila technically too. But when you actually sit and watch and invest the time in it, you're going to know what we said. Yes, it won't be that way. Just let it play out. And I like it's fun. I I, I don't like to bash anybody. Everyone's entitled to their opinion, but you can see those people online right now that are talking about how woke revolution is and mm. oh, it's just Tila and Andra again. And it's like, tell didn't me you didn't, of it. <laughs> tell me you didn't watch revolution without telling me you didn't watch revolution. Well, like, I, I got into fights with people on Reddit leading up to the, like, like right after watching revolution. And there was a guy, they're trying to, they're trying to uh, brainwash our children and, Da, 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 and I'm like, okay, this isn't even for our children. Number one, number two, right. did you watch a second of this? Like, seriously, there's nothing about this that had anything to do with any kind of agenda that you're talking about. But that guy just kept sticking to his guns because yep. apparently that's the only talking point he had to say that day. Absolutely. Uh, from episode three, uh, in this episode, I appreciate how both Tila and Adam were allowed to make mistakes, not get everything right all the time or right off the bat. I know it's not a popular opinion, but I don't think it's all that interesting to see a perfect protagonist that has all the answers, never messes up and wins effortlessly. I guess I don't get what the point of that is story-wise. So I'd rather see a story where the characters are challenged where they have something to overcome more than just a standard villain who makes cheesy dialogue and folds easily. So I liked how everything went wrong in this episode. That gave me a reason to want to watch the rest. Uh, The look on He-Man's face when he saw that crown was priceless. There's no real payoff unless there's first a setup and everything in this series feels more earned because of this oh shit moments. Mm-hmm. Without those moments, any amount of spectacle or endless fight scenes would just come off as hollow to me. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. And that's the kind of stuff that, I, you know, everyone talks about like aging up or, or making He-Man more mature. And I think this is how you do it. You make him a little bit more flawed, a little like he's learning. We're all learning. I don't care how old Adam gets. Like he's always going to be learning. We always are. 
And these kind of moments are how you make it more mature, where he can realize the mistakes and everything else. I don't want to see a He-Man where he's betting 30 women and slicing everybody's heads off. And, you know, he's covered in intestines because he just gutted somebody like that. You don't. I don't. The views of Matthew Butch not necessarily reflect the views of Sean Skavarn nor the Legends of Grey School podcast. Um, but yeah, like I, that that does not equal mature to me. This kind of stuff feels more mature to me. Where we're dealing with life and death issues, we're dealing with real character growth and real character story arcs um, that matter. And you know, that's what I want to see as well. Yeah, and on top of that, um, just to piggyback real quick, it, like you're you're dealing with a main character who is grieving, yep. and you know he literally lost his father like a, a couple days previously to this moment happening. And I brought it up in our review special, but I'll say it here really quick. It's like the minute that you have something that remotely makes you feel normal again while you're going through a challenging time or a grieving time period or whatever, you tend to want to just throw your hat up in the air and run headlong into that because it feels better to be doing something that feels normal again, even if you're still going through those issues of the, the acceptance of the grief and things like that. Yep. And I like that they let him do that in, in that episode. For instance, I like that Keldor basically gave Go beat the crap out of everybody in Snake Mountain. Let's do this. And he was yep. like, okay. You know, it's like, what better way of grief, of, of going through the grief process than knocking a couple heads together uh, over in Snake Mountain where you know they're going to do something one way or the other. Little yep. did he know they already started, though. So. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Uh, from episode four, I love the energy Matt brought to this episode review. It was a good balance this time. Um, with all the channels out there that never have one good thing to say and rage on and on about everyone behind the scenes and every take on the characters that they don't like, everything they hate, it's so enjoyable when I see people actually enjoying Masters of the Universe and not just nonstop complaining or only reluctantly admitting a few things about it that were undeniably awesome. I mean, we got so much from Revolution, Gwildor and Orko, snarky anti-hero Lynn, Keldor, Captain Kirk, and Luke Skywalker playing the same character, Adora's abduction straight out of Secret of the Sword, Grandmare, Queen Marlena, and the younger characters stepping into new roles in the universe, moving the story forward instead of continuing to tread the same ground as Masters has been doing for decades. This is the first time I've watched Masters in a long time and was truly excited for action figures instead of being cynical when potential figures are introduced. And they need to do a three-pack of Tila, a Grayskull-sized Grandamere, and a He-Man and Tila, but I won't spoil that one by saying any more. <laughs> uh, completely agree. For me, and I've said it for a long time, if you're new to the channel, maybe you haven't heard me say it, but you probably have, I would give all of my figures up if it meant I could continuously get good, enjoyable stories from masters like for me the lore and the comics tv show like that's where my mind is first the toys are icing on the cake um but yeah there and there were a lot of great designs in this series that deserves action figures 
And I'm right there with you. Normally I could give a crud whether we get figures of everything or not, but that He-Man and Tila, that needs to be a figure. Figures. The the only other thing I would say is also battle armor because uh not not as a figure, but what the well, things that she did they did no, no, no. Battle the, armor the things that she's saying okay. she thought were great about it. I love the fact we find like I mean, hell, this this series uh, as in Revolution brought us okay, we have the classic version of He-Man, but then we get battle armor He-Man halfway through, and then we get the whatever they're calling that version at the end uh, what is it like heroic he-man or whatever i think or something like that uh, i haven't seen an official name yet uh some people have said king he-man king, king adam he-man, um, fabio he-man because of the hair or whatever i mean I, I don't know whatever they're calling him it's like i i that for me was a treat to go yeah we've had so many and, and granted 2000x did that as well so i can't really say it the first time they ever did it because they did have ice armor, they had the uh, samurai uh, uh, armor on for the Anwagar episode. But for one that I always wanted, the battle armor was so great in this case. And just in general, I mean, the again, I ever since I've been on Masters podcasts uh, through either ours, Council, the first one, whatever. I was always the one going, I want to just see something that isn't the same old every freaking time we do this. And 2000X was the closest we ever got to them finally edging out of that. And we had it canceled, unfortunately. And here, it's like they're doing it and they're loud and proud about it. And I couldn't be happier that that is what's happening. Uh, The only thing that I would give all of your action figures for more stories, by the way, I will say that I will give all of Matt's figures. Yep, he would. But (laughs) in a heartbeat. So, so the one thing that I'll say is my caveat on those figures, and I know it won't happen, so it's automatically going to just bum me out. But my God, how much would I love to see the Horsemen working on Masters again, making figures for this uh, series? Absolutely won't happen. Therefore, it, it makes me slightly sad, but I do feel those those designs are beyond deserving to be on toy shelves and on collector shelves. Absolutely. All right, and then from episode five, I took that transformation scene as being their final forms too. Uh, best redesign I've seen for He-Man for all the attempts throughout the years. Blending that with the central tower was ingenious. Uh, hope they release them as a two-pack, especially if they follow up with a translucent pair of figures. Wish Battle Cat got new duds, too. Poor Cringer. I agree. Um, I agree that Kevin Smith and the whole team at Netflix paid attention to the worthwhile criticism of Revelation and dismissed the culture war nonsense. I know they already had a whole trilogy worked out, and I think the main story beats were part of that. But some of the other touches were a response to the genuine fan responses to Revelation. Uh, Revelation did set up this season very well, though I think like a lot of the series, it just took them some time to find their footing and tell the story they wanted to tell in a way that would resonate with fans. And both voice actor changes worked to the show's benefit. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think we agree on all points there. I completely agree. The main beats were already there. They definitely tweaked some stuff, but overall, not much. I think the biggest thing that helps this series is the fact that we have Revelation. Um, and I, I, I'll i say it again. I think Revelation could have spent a little more time 
building up an Eternia, especially with it being a new iteration. You know, the continuity is similar, but it's not all quite there. Um, so I think if there'd just been a little bit more lead up, or if they had even taken advantage of the prequel comics instead of giving us the bogus Skeletor story, which was a waste of money now, uh, you know, that we could have gotten a better feel for this Eternia and it would have helped a little bit, you know. But it is what it is at this point. Um, but I, I, I definitely agree. It was an excellent series. I love seeing everything move forward and I'm excited for what's to come. So... Uh the the best way i can describe uh my my opinions on both revelation is for me the equivalent of george lucas having all the cgi technology to make the prequels and he had unlimited amount of this and that and all that stuff and they had 10 whole episodes to tell his stories so it can go in all these crazy places and do these crazy things that at the end of the day fans were like did you need to do those things necessarily? And when you come back and you watch Revolution and it is a tight, concise five episodes, mm -hmm. it's like watching the first Star Wars or New Hope, whichever one you want to call it again, and going, he he did not have Yes Men doing all this stuff. He had studio breathing down his neck. He had producers breathing down his neck. And, and the conciseness of what he needed to do it showed and they got it to work and they, they got it to work in a very imaginative and, 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 and uh, like it, it, your, your mind could go into this whole new galaxy mm -hmm. similar to how revelation felt to me. I, I never watched Re revolution. Yeah. Revelation. I never watched revelation going, my God, I feel like I'm home again, but revolution after finishing that I'm like, I need to go back to Eternia one more time at least because this is what it was meant to be for me versus 10 episodes where I, I just sat there going and now beast man's dead and now fisto's dead and now clam champ's dead and just having this whole roster it was like watching transformers the movie as as a seven-year-old in 1986 going holy crap that's wheeljack holy crap thundercracker prime you know and just like sitting there with my whole scroll of these are all the characters that we are now never going to see again one way or the other so um and really yeah. at at the end of the day um revolution was really it was really a story about saving eternia it wasn't another end of the universe thing mm -hmm. you know revelation you know uh, evelyn's gonna get the power she's gonna destroy everything the entire cosmos you know, and those stories are good. I think they're a little overdone now. Uh, not just in Masters, but kind of in everything. Like, everything's like the end of the universe, right? Everything's gone. Everything in existence, is, you know, is in danger. Yeah. Um, whereas this one was really about control of Eternia. You know, it's who's going to take over? Skeletor or Hordak? Or is He-Man going to get his stuff figured out and save the day? And I think that's part of it too, where it's like, it doesn't have to be a big concept every time, you know, this was still kind of bigger than your no. average filmation episode, but still at the same time, it wasn't, it wasn't the, everything's going to be destroyed if you don't do this. 
And I appreciated that. Yeah. You know, there is still good storytelling to be done there. You know, when you're just fighting for your city, your town, your castle, you know, it's the, the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Well, and, and that was the thing, like, for, that's why Revelation for me was more of a turnoff because where do you go if that's where you start your story? You know, yeah. like when you go to that extent that, okay, literally they're burning heaven yep. and the universe and this, and it's like, I get it's called masters of the universe, but it doesn't need to play on that level for your first time out. Like third time, that makes a little more sense. You've built it up enough that if the universe hangs in the balance, yep. you're like, I'm with you, let's do this. But when you when you come out of the gate swinging that hard, there is a part where you're just like, well, why can't we just like you? You always say it. Now I'm I'm the one doing <laughs> it too. Why can't we just tell a simple adventure story and have it go from point A to point B? Have a little bit of hijinks in the middle and some action in the middle, and yep. and just have it be a really tight, consistent, and well told story. And that's basically what we got here. And I think fan reaction, I, I've barely seen any negatives. No. And I haven't been like searching it out or anything. But in the in in the you know social media that I traverse in nowadays, other than that guy I was fighting with on Reddit the one day, I haven't really heard too many people being all that upset about this show anymore. Right. So that right off the bat says they did something right. They they like you said, they took the criticism and they they took it to heart. And turned something out, or, or put something out that actually showed they listened to what we hoped, and they they did it brilliantly, as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. So, where do we go from here? Uh, well, luckily, Dark Horse has us all set. <laughs> oh, I remember this. Yeah. <laughs> with with Masters of the Universe Revolution number one, new comic from Dark Horse, uh, written by Tim Sheridan, Rob David, and Ted Biaselli, uh, penciling Daniel HDR, inker Key Champagne, colorist Brad Simpson, uh, letterer and world design, with a cover by Dave Wilkins, and this will be released on May fifteenth, twenty twenty four. 32 pages, run you $3.99. Journey to the earliest days of one of the universe's most consequential and fraught team-ups in this first issue of the official four-part prequel to the Netflix streaming event. Hordak is an ambitious general eager to make his mark. Skeletor is an inspiring mage hungry for power. Joining forces, melting eight Ancient Eternian magic with advanced horde technology could bring them all their evil hearts desire, but they'll have to survive each other first. Big picture. What you think, Sean? I've always been a fan of the Dave Wilkins art on Masters. Actually, one of his uh, his uh, uh, Flying Fist He Man is my screen. Uh, desktop yeah. uh, art on my computer. I think the cover looks gorgeous, but that's to be expected. But uh, what got me is, and I'm not, I'm not trying to blame them or whatever. But right before Revolution came out, a uh, friend of the show, uh, Yuka, yep. actually posted. I guess the opposite. There, I guess there's multiple covers on this as well. 
and that cover was a lineup of different faces. Who is the well, Spara? That's, and that's, that's the, the issue. That's the issue number four cover. Well, that was, well, how the hell did they even put that out? That's <laughs> yes. So, so that's so not anyway. even on their website yet. They kind of leak that uh, uh, anyway, to some people. Um, and so, so that was my complaint is that you put that out before it drops. So now we know Despara shows up at some point. Yes, that was my one complaint. That, that if I would have been sitting there not knowing that, I would have been like, holy crap, they're going here. That's pretty impressive. Um, otherwise, I'll, I'll be honest. I'd have to also see what the art looks like. I am not familiar with the artist on that book, but I, I don't know. I'm always hesitant now that they're doing master stuff because it's always a mini series and it's always it, it, like we found out it mostly got to be connected to something they're doing. And I guess that's the multimedia push of it, but I don't know. There's a part of me that's like, we, we got a lot of the good out of what they did in revolution in those flashbacks that I'm almost like, I'm good. I don't want to necessarily get too far into that. I I'm just hoping that there's a third season and I'd rather have a He-Man comic that just wants to tell stories in Eternia and not always be shackled to the cartoons uh, the way they have been lately. Um, I, I will give it a shot because I'm sure we're going to have to review it. Um, yeah. But but uh, as of right now, I'm, I'm kind of like, okay, you know, like I, I've been that way with many of these at this point, though. Uh, so real quick on Daniel HDR. Uh, he is Brazilian. He was born in 1974 and he began his work in the comics industry at 14 years old. Uh, working as an illustrator for local publishers as press editoria, Diarte Andas and others. Uh, in 1995, he started publishing with dark horse and he helped develop the official adaptation for the animated series, Digimon. Uh, in 2005, he was with Avatar Press. He started work on the Lady Death books with the creator, Brian Paluto. Um, and his newer works include X-Men Forever, uh, concept art to uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 2, and recently has been working with DC Comics, uh, a lot of their DC Universe Online, Stormwatch, Fury of Firestorms, uh, Green Lantern Corps, Smallville Season 11, etc., etc. So, so, yeah, I'm looking it up right now. Uh, I checked out some art. Um, uh, the art is uh, like he's not a bad artist. I'm not going to say he's bad, but his style isn't necessarily something that I'm looking at going masters. Like yeah. when Andy Nunez did the last one. I was like, Masters, that works. You know, his his stuff is a little more down to earth looking. Yep. Uh, from the the images I've seen, his body types are more athletic than bulky. So there is that feeling looking at it where I'm like, I want to see some sample pages, but at the same time, it's not a style that's drawing me to that book the way yep. that Nunez did. Uh Here's what I'm most excited for, and I know I'm going to come across soundly as a jerk, but writers, Tim Sheridan, Rob David, and Ted Biaselli. Mm -hmm. No, that's fine. <laughs> Not, I, I mean, nope. Sean. What? 
Tim but Seeley is not involved. That's true. And that also <laughs> makes me want to have uh, – that makes me feel like Eddie Nunez should do a change.org petition because I, if we can start one, he should do it. <laughs> no, but – well, and it is interesting to me that they had they've had Eddie on at least in some form the last few, and yeah. this one he's not. That that is surprising to me as well. I really like his art style, mm-hmm. but you know, and no offense to Tim Seeley, he has some great ideas. He has never been able to stick an ending on a Masters comic. It just mm-hmm. he hasn't. Um, so I am grateful that it is literally the writers from the show yeah. Revolution that we all agreed was great. And so hopefully yeah. this will at least be planned out and they're not just winging it and we're not just going to get some lame wrap-up where a bunch of stuff happens in the last issue that contradicts previous issues. You know, yeah. it's like, I, I have faith that this will at least be planned out and it's an era that I want to see. You know, the flashbacks we got in Revolution of, you know, Hordak and Keldor slash Skeletor, it's like, okay, that's... So they're going to expand on that moment after he takes the Havoc staff up until I'm assuming the abduction, you know, and then wrapping up with issue four, who is Despara? I'm like, if you're going to do a prequel, that is a really solid window of time that was hinted at in the series to flesh out. Mm-hmm. Like, I I support this. And it can't be more than a miniseries because it is going to this window of time. Yeah. While I would love to just see an ongoing, you know, that just not in the plans for what they have. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's, you know, to put, to put a nice side on it, it's like, it is still cool to go. Wow. There's still masters comics coming in the pipeline versus yep. how long there wasn't anything up until revolution a revelation was touted. And then it's like, Oh, now we have stories again and all this stuff. So um, in that level, it's like, okay, that's cool. And, and like you said, the, the writers, yeah, I'm good with that because at least they prove they can pull this off by doing the, the show, you know, right. and it's like, yeah, Tim Seeley. Oh my God. Anyway. <laughs> oh, Tim. Uh, last thing I will throw out there. Uh, This the Mondo currently has up for pre-order the 15-inch Scareglow soft vinyl figure. This is the mm-hmm. one where it's actually a skeleton encased in clear plastic. Uh, very much modeled after the vintage. Uh, 15 inches tall, uh, cast outer body with a fully sculpted glow-in-the-dark skeleton inside. Articulated at the head and arms. He comes with swappable glow-in-the-dark heads and pull axes, plus a posable fabric cape with a wired edge. Even the box glows in the dark. Um, so you got the very vintage head. You got a little bit more detailed head. No idea why he has two pull axes. They look the same in that picture. Um, One-week timed edition. It started on February 27th. It will close at on Tuesday, March 5th at noon Central Time. Um, Monday, March 4th at 8 p.m. Eastern. They will be taking an in-depth look at it on their YouTube channel. So check that out if you're interested. There it is next to a vintage Scareglow. Um, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, I guess one of them is white, like the Castle Grayskull. The ones glow in the dark. Well, it says they both glow in the dark. That's why they look the same in that one picture. Huh. But one's All green right. and one's white when they're not glowing. Um, expected to ship July 2024. Three per household limit. And payment plans are available. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Shawnee? It's, it's pretty cool, but I... I, I'm gonna be honest. I I'm I'm pretty much close to like I I'm good with Mondo, not because they did anything wrong, but because I have so many things in the last year that I'm just like I I cannot a lot more shelf space right. at the moment. But I mean, Mondo for me more than Mattel is carrying the torch of Masters nowadays because they're bringing something to the table it's collector friendly and it has that like like this to me is i don't want to call it like a stunt but it is that vibe of like here's a scare glow but it's going to be like huge and it's going to be more like translucent so you can see the skeleton underneath versus it being just painted and all and it's like that to me is a fun idea but it's not something that i'm collecting at the moment like the vintage yeah. is definitely not my happy spot compared to the normal Mondo figures or pieces like that. I guess my big thing is just the price, honestly, especially since this is a one-off vintage style. It's bigger than your regular Mondo because your regular Mondo runs typically 12 inches. So it is like a head above them. But at the same time, it's just... I don't know. It's a giant vintage figure with less articulation because it's just head and Mm -hmm. arms. The legs don't even move. So I don't know. It's, I guess if you're a huge Scareglow fan, it'd be a great centerpiece to the collection, but I just, I don't see it being a necessity. You know what I mean? It just for that, for that price point, I just can't even come close to justifying it. Yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, and, and I'm not, I'm not trying to badmouth them or whatever, but we've had that discussion before where it's like Mondo doesn't know a number under $200 for any of their pieces anymore. And including Orco, they could have done less with that and maybe had it be less costly. Maybe that would have brought more people to the table. And instead they want to throw more things in to justify it, keeping that price point, which I, I'm sure licensing is also in, involved in that. So they're like, well, we got to keep the money, you know, for that reason on top of that. But there is that part of me that I still have, I want to say, uh, Beast Man. And I, I bought another He-Man um, yeah. late last year. And those afterpays are still going down. <laughs> and as much as I do love that line, I just hit this wall with that of going, and that's me personally. That was me yeah. just going. I want to, I want to get some of these while they're out, and they're not on eBay for almost double to triple what they're costing. But there is that part now where I'm like, I need to rein it in. I have Beastman coming. He's supposedly out for uh, delivery right now, so he should nice. be here in the next hour or two. I'm excited for him because he's a whole different. I mean, he's freaking like a head taller than He Man. Yep. Um, so things like that, yeah. But um, well, and that's know, my like, thing. It's like so two thirty five for Beastman Mondo style. Yeah. Super articulated, super yeah. detailed. 
or two sixty five for a giant vintage. Yeah, it's see like, that just, it doesn't I, even match. It, it's like does not compute yeah. to me on that level. Because I'm and, glad and, for anybody who wants this is grabbing it. You know, yeah. I'm happy that you're happy. I just don't get it. And and I, I mean a, a really valid point too is typically with these companies they do the tolling up and then you think, well now this figure might be in the pipeline or that figure because they match with sure. this. I am looking at that scare glow. It's like, well, what are you going to do with that next? I mean, technically you technically, could use the tooling and just put it with uh, uh, non-transparent non, uh, right. plastic and then you could do whatever. Yeah. You but can do anybody. Part, really? Yeah. It's like, it's like, that's great. But for me, at least the vintage feel of stuff, pretty much left when i got to 2000 x and that from then on all i wanted to see is what's the next version of this to make it even more upgraded and more fun and more my version of masters versus i don't need everything to be vintage all the time that's not i enjoy vintage but it's definitely not my wheelhouse anymore it's interesting too because they came out with the giant masters back in the maddie collector days the vintage yeah. looking ones he-man skeletor uh, a few others i know stratos anywho like it's interesting that they went the 15 inch route because this guy stands even taller than those because those were 12 inches mm-hmm. so to me it's it's also one of those things like man if you were going to do this because a lot of people did love those vintage mm-hmm. figures on the classic card back it's you know scaled up yeah. Like, okay, release your scare glow 12 inches. It's in line with those at least. And then you're tapping into that collector. I don't know how many of those collectors want a scare glow that's then bigger than those. But if you'd made yeah. one that fits in with it, maybe, you know, maybe yeah. there is a market there. But I mean, the, the hardest part for me on, on any of this is anything Mondo related that isn't going to be along the, the same scale of maybe a six or seven inch figure those things will kill your shelf space no matter what they are literal shelf killers so like a 15 inch figure depending what you're using to display that in holy crap like that's that's just that's not even in my cards based on what i have set up in my my uh display at this point but yeah i mean the the one good thing i guess you could say is at least you don't have to worry about the uh the rubber that holds the legs together being an That's issue true. 30 years <laughs> later if you collect this right now right but uh other than that yeah it is really weird to just go okay his arms will do this 265 <laughs> okay what else uh-huh. does he do 265 you know I, yeah. no, again no offense to mondo and um yeah but, if this is your jam yeah. more power to you i mean the, the uh, what uh super seven has their jam with all the uh Let's get all of these rock, uh, you know, like uh, metal bands and stuff and make figures out of them and all that lately. It's like, not my thing, but hey, apparently it's out there. So there you go. Yep. I hope, I hope everyone that wants it is able to get it. Um, Just not for me. It is, it is a great time though, right now, you know, all the stuff that's available, comics, toys, so many lines, Mm -hmm. um, we we are in the golden age of masters of the universe mm-hmm. and i truly feel that so now if mondo put out seven inch figures i'd be so doomed <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I'm telling you, you keep sleeping on Masterverse. They're a lot better than you think they are. So I, I still can't get past that plastic on those figures. They always look like they're waxy to me. It drives me crazy. <laughs> I I don't Keeps know. Strong. I I am I am a snob in that way, and I'm gonna admit it proudly because like classics classics completely ruined me and mythic legions helped to ruin some of that too and i I just i don't i don't dig what mattel is doing the way that i dig mondo or it's like the only other one that would come up that i would love to see their take on it would be NECA because i enjoy what they put out as well the ninja turtle stuff has been really cool i mean NECA would knock some of this out of the park just as much in my opinion but that would also scare the hell out of me on that level because then i'd be like oh my god everything's 30 bucks a pot and which granted it is what it is because that's how it is nowadays but right starting from the beginning and trying to get it all over again doing it that way holy yeah all right sean i think that's an episode absolutely it is uh tune in i think you guys got plans tomorrow night right uh friday night yeah um i I don't yeah i don't know what the plan is we're still we're still figuring that out but uh yeah join us on off world at nine o'clock eastern time Uh, i think there's a i'm just saying i know you've got a beast man out for delivery i know curtis is currently handling his beast from the picture he's been sending me so but he also got beast man in too yeah that too so you might take a look at that, I assume. <laughs> so I, yeah, I have a feeling we'll probably be touching, uh, talking some shop about that, touching base on that one. But um, I don't know what. I think we're still figuring out what we're doing because that's kind of how it works anyway. But uh, we yeah, roll. there'll be a show at least at nine o'clock on Friday. That's all that matters. Nice. There you go. All right. We appreciate you all watching, listening. Do us a favor and whatever audio platform you're on, hit the stars horseshoes diamonds clovers blue moons whatever they've got uh rank us up there uh write a review sean hasn't gotten to read a review in a while so the last one was from last year and it was from curtis yeah that's help me we don't want to end we don't want to end on curtis (laughs) we don't want to end on curtis uh if you're on the youtube please hit those buttons down below it really helps us the like share subscribe um we do appreciate it. Leave a comment. It will probably be written on read on the show. Thanks to everyone, especially Lion Mom, who commented already. Uh, thanks mm-hmm. to Tony Moore. Again, you can email us as well, logpod85 at gmail.com. Yep. Uh, and until next time, keep watching Revolution. We need a season three. Oh, come on.